Welcome back to the Choose to Be Happy podcast. Today we have Julia Gold. She's a therapist. She does trauma work and crisis work with clinicians. She helps people overcome anxiety and she helps people struggling with relationships. And I'm so excited to have her here today because I know that the holidays are a really difficult time for a lot of people. And we are going to be talking about... um, the disappointment that a lot of people often feel on the holidays. Maybe it's like a feeling of homesickness or a feeling that they wish they had somewhere to go, or maybe they go to a place and they just feel like it brings up a lot of negative feelings for whatever reason. And so we just want to talk about that and help you work through all this stuff, hopefully before you get to your Christmas event so or New Year's or whatever you're celebrating at this time of year. So thank you, Julia, so much for being here. Of course, yeah. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah, thank you. So so what kind of advice would you give to somebody who is feeling nervous at this time of year because they, they're expecting that the holidays are going to feel very not good for them? Yeah, so the holidays are typically a really tough time for people. Um, Honestly, with therapists, a lot of us get a lot more calls either before or after the holidays, just because uh, kind of previous relationships aren't good with the holidays, their expectations that people get put on, you know, their family puts on them, um, or there's just a negative pattern where people just feel down during the holidays. So it's always a good idea to know, you know, what kind of relationships do you have with your family? And is there anyone that you are close to, right? Sometimes it's always good, even if you just have one other person there that kind of provides some moral support. Um, Other times, sometimes it's good to evaluate which relationships are positive and which are maybe harmful. So a lot of work that we do is around boundaries, you know, to, to know what's okay and what's not and how do we communicate that to people. Um, And sometimes people's support network isn't their family, and that's also okay. So, so yeah, there's a lot of things to talk about, kind of knowing where your your people are. Um, And if you feel like you don't have a support network, how do we, how do you build one? And that can be outside of your family as well. That's also important. So let's, let's work through all of it. So let's, let's start with the people who do have a family to go to. And when they go hang out with their family, they feel maybe like their boundaries are not being um, honored or they feel triggered. Like, do you have any advice for people in that situation? Yeah, so planning ahead if possible, knowing what are the boundaries and how to communicate them would be the best way. Obviously, if you're working with a therapist, that's always always recommended. So you can really focus on how, how do you communicate that and knowing what they are. Sometimes people don't know what they are, especially if they're family um, growing up their boundaries were blurred like they didn't feel like they had a say or they're just like being told things um i work with a lot of people even with successful careers but with their family they don't have boundaries Mm because that's how they grew up Um, and they're in distress when they speak to their family because their family is telling them um, something or making them feel like they're not enough so obviously there's a continuum of how how negative or sometimes even abusive family could be, um, even as adults, verbally and emotionally. Like, let's focus on that part. Um, but that part can be really damaging. So, 
So yeah, knowing what your boundaries are, there are maybe topics that are off limits and how, how you communicate that. And it doesn't have to be an argument. It could just be, um, you know, I'm not talking about that, or it could be changing the subject, or if that doesn't work to taking taking a break, taking yourself out of that situation. Um, I always, always planning ahead would be the best. Um, and also knowing what do you, what do you have to attend and what do you not have to attend? So, and it's not necessarily about cutting people out of your life, but, you know, there might be some events that you don't have to attend, especially if it's causing more harm than good. So really just kind of setting up, what do you want your life to look like in the holidays? Um, if you're going home, are you with your family 24 seven versus, okay, I know I'm just going to this one dinner and, you know, like just being, being present, planning boundaries. Um, the other thing I work with people on is de-escalation physically. So if they're feeling like you mentioned triggered, which is usually the word we use when there's a physiological response, memories, um, and just kind of working on de-escalating that and, and practicing. Kind of how, how do you, you do that? Like, let's say like, you know, your family brings up something that always makes you feel really upset and mm -hmm. just makes you like shut down, want to cry, you know, like, and they know it, but for some reason, and you've asked them to stop talking about that one thing, but it just keeps coming up. And obviously you can't control what somebody else will say or not say, but like, how can you help yourself not feel so triggered? Yeah, so obviously, once again, it kind of depends on the level that you're feeling that emotion, because this can take some practice. So it's not like you can just take away all the feelings that you're having, but you can practice it. So if someone's bringing up a topic, um, you can kind of check in with yourself emotionally. And you can also take yourself out of it. Like sometimes people don't realize like they're not because of their reaction that they don't have to kind of just sit there. Uh, they can say, um, you know, going to the restroom, I'm going for a walk. Like I need a five minutes, right? Nobody's physically, usually physically keeping you there. Hopefully. Right. right? So and then you can kind of do some breathing. We talk about deep breathing. Some people call it box breathing. So you're doing a couple of um, kind of for, count, for counts. So you can do four, four, four. Sometimes the exhale's a little longer. So four, four, five or six. So you're counting in as you're breathing in, holding and releasing. Some people also add like a relaxing. Can you walk us through it right now? Can we do a box breathing right now? <laughs> sure. Just so people so can practice yeah, absolutely. So you want to do it from your diaphragm. So if you put your hand on your stomach, when you breathe in, you want to make sure your stomach's going up and down, not your chest. Um, so that's kind of the first part. So you just breathe in for four. And you hold. And then you exhale, usually for a little longer. So five or six. And I would say do that maybe 10 times. Um, especially the situation like you mentioned, right? Some people can do it in the in the event itself. Other people might need to take a break. If you haven't been practicing it, it is a skill. So you can take a few minutes. You know, if someone brings something up, uh, like I said, you just excuse yourself for a couple minutes. Do some breathing. Some movement's also helpful. So if you want to move around or uh, move your body in some way. Um, and then you what kind of movement? Give us an example. Yeah, it could be anything. So if you're taking a walk, it could just be moving your arms. Um, you also want to see what's your energy level. If you're feeling really low or exhausted, you can 
bring it up by walking, jumping jacks, like getting your energy up. Um, Or if your energy is too high, like you're jittery, just kind of how do you let it out? And it could be a walk, it could be a jog, you know, whatever most people typically do already that they're comfortable with. So those are two things that they could do um, if they're- You know, you're reminding me, there's um, that song, Shake It Off by Taylor Swift. Yes. And I had somebody on the podcast once who recommended that like, if you- her name's Christy Holt, and I remember she said, if you're feeling, like, totally, like, upset or whatever, just to kind of shake your whole body like a crazy wild balloon man, like those little, like, balloon guys at the yeah. car sales places, like, just uh-huh. shake, like, your entire body, your head and your arms, just, like, shake it off. Like, that's, yeah. thanks for reminding and what me. I like, yeah, and what I like about that advice, too, is that that's combining that visualization, so you want to imagine that energy that you don't like or the feeling that you don't like coming out of you mm-hmm. while maybe breathing in something that you do want, like breathing in relaxation or calm, right? So that's um, kind of the next step if you want to do a bit more advanced, um, but that really helps. So that advice, the shake it off one is good because you're imagining it coming off while you're doing what you're doing. I love this advice. So like, basically you're saying like, if we are triggered at like, a holiday dinner when we're spending time with family or friends to just like excuse ourselves go to a bathroom no one has to see you do this and like you can just go in there and like take do the box breathing and shake it off or move however you want or you could go outside and go on a walk whatever but I, I love that idea of just like removing yourself from it and giving yourself the time and space to just like shake it off and kind of breathe it in and out <laughs> I love that yeah, and if you're if you've already been practicing, or you, once again, you want to know what level you're at. So you can I use scaling too, which just gets like a one to ten. So where are you? If you're maybe at a two or a three, um, or you've been practicing, you don't necessarily even have to leave. You could probably do it internally. You're taking some breaths. You're visualizing. Um, you know, you don't need to close your eyes to visualize sometimes. So you decide if you want to stay in the situation. You feel you can you've been practicing, you can de-escalate, you can change the topic, you can kind of see what level you're at physically, um, or you can take a few moments and then excuse yourself, right? It doesn't have to be like super obvious. (laughs) Like someone asks you a question, you're like, I gotta go, but um, (laughs) you're number one. So you've got to do what you're comfortable with. And if there's a topic you really don't want to talk about, um, I always recommend sticking to it, you know, because you want your family to realize you mean what you say. This so can you give us the words? Because I feel like sometimes like when I'm put in that situation and like someone brings something up, like I don't know how to say like the simple words, like I don't want to talk about it. Or like what what are the words that we could say if we literally don't want to talk about a certain thing? Yeah, so if you have somebody, I would practice with them, but it, it doesn't even have to be that obvious. Like I don't want to talk about this. It could just be, you could just change the conversation to something else or something similar. So I don't know if, if someone's like, um, Hey, why aren't you married? Yeah. <laughs> yeah Cause that, that could be very triggering. Um, you can just kind of, um, you know, talk about something else or bring it along. I don't know. It could be, Hey, I'm really excited about this that's going on in my life. Mm-hmm. Or, um, or it could just be as simple as what, you know, what, I'm not ready and then shifting the conversation. So it doesn't have to be an argument. Sometimes people think asserting your boundaries means like this huge blowout, but it's really not, that's not what, what we recommend. It's more of just moving a conversation along or just, just, you know, a lot of times people are easily, um, 
distracted also. So kind of just shifting into something else or, um, yeah, just keeping it, keeping it simple. Um, and depending on your relationship, you could also be more directive. You know, that's something I really don't want to get into right now. I really want to enjoy our time together or whatever else that you're doing. I love that. Thank you for those words. Um, and then I got another question for you. So like, let's say that the reason someone's having a difficult time over the holidays is because they don't have somewhere to go and like they wish they had that group of friends or they wish they had a family or, or a loved one to spend the holidays with, but they really don't have anyone or the, or they have been invited places, but it's not with the person or people that they wish they could have been with. Mm-hmm. What would you recommend for somebody struggling with that? Yeah. So, you know, that's a tough one, I think, with building community um, and that, you know, either they're rebuilding or sometimes a lot of people are moving nowadays or doing work contracts really far away, too. So there's a lot of that happening. So I always recommend of just um, kind of thinking about what you want to do for yourself, too, like having some time with you of kind of quiet enjoyment or, or not so quiet if you're out there doing an activity. So having something for yourself that you know is going to happen no matter what. And then trying to build some community. So sometimes there'll be events out. Um, and yes, you may be there on your own, but it might be the first step. You may meet someone there. So it depends kind of also your level of comfort with meeting new people. Um, but I would just recommend of just slowly, how do you want to build that community? So is it going to events that you really enjoy meeting people there? So just kind of having a plan um, and being, being um, compassionate with yourself, right? So that it might take some time um, if there's an issue with social anxiety, which is super common, to kind of get help with that as well. So just always having someone on your side, whether it's a therapist or um, somebody else that's helping you. But you really want to to know that someone's there for you and that you can kind of, you have a plan for this. Um, if there's not any social anxiety, then um, sometimes it just takes practice. You know, what, sometimes I have people that have never talked to anyone kind of on that scale. And it could be as simple as when you pass somebody on the street, you're going to give them a smile. That's, that's your first assignment, let's mm-hmm. say. And then you slowly build up from there to saying hi to having a conversation, uh, not necessarily with the same person, but you know, like kind of practicing and increasing your comfort. It's almost like kind of like exposure, but you're realizing, oh, nothing horrible happened. Right. It, it, it was fine. Um, but it does take time to build a community. If you're, if you have one person, you know, obviously that can be easier a little bit. Um, or what's your comfort level with going into a group and talking to them or meeting new people? So, you know, I would personalize it to each individual. I know I've definitely been somebody who's like struggled with social anxiety. And I know like when I've lived in cities by myself, like where I had no friends or family, I, I remember how difficult it was to like walk into a place for a holiday meal and like there were actually times like I remember I was like 18 years old living in Boston and I wanted to go to a holiday meal and I actually got there a little bit late so like the whole thing had already started and there was like this room of people all seated at a table and I walked all the way up the steps and then I left I didn't I didn't even walk in the door I was like so nervous I didn't want like to open the door and all these people were gonna like look at me 
And I think that sometimes arriving early, <laughs> if you're going to go to something like that, where you don't know anyone and there's like a bunch of people seated, like maybe arriving early or even like asking how you can help and showing up super early so you can like come to set up the flowers or I don't know, put the chairs out. Because I feel like sometimes it's easier to hide behind a job to at least get your foot in the door. Yeah, what you described is one of the hardest ones to do because everyone's already there. All eyes are going to be on yes. you. That's definitely not recommended. I think we would all, even if we're really good at walking into a room, I think that situation <laughs> would be tough. So yeah, the other thing too is maybe knowing that they're expecting you. Yeah, you can't leave. But but I would like I would start with something you're comfortable with. I never want anyone to walk into a situation where it's like 10 levels past what they're ready for, yeah. like that's not going to be helpful. So I always, I always say a little, a little bit past your comfort zone, just, just a tiny little bit. And then you're building from that. So it's not about, like I said, walking into a presentation, which, you know, people fear public speaking more than death. So right. <laughs> like don't, don't put yourself in a situation. You're going to, um, you know, probably, make it a bit worse for yourself because then you're going to have that additional fear. So make it super simple, uh, accountability, like a job, like, you know, you have to be there. You can't leave, you can't leave last minute. Um, but also give yourself an exit. Hey, I'm going to go for 15 minutes. If I'm not having fun, I'm, I am going to leave. So make yeah. it, you know, make it really comfortable for yourself as much as possible. Thank you for that. And also I want to say that like people might, relate to this but sometimes a smaller event is easier like with less people I know I know with myself like while I've had like severe social anxiety and like walking into like a room full of people is like one of my least favorite things in the world like it, it still it gives me anxiety to think about it um I know that like when I was backpacking through Europe I would just go up to like a random person on the street with a backpack and have a conversation with them. And like, that seemed easier to like go and ask someone for directions or like to start a small, you know, like ask somebody like, Oh, do you know where the bank is? Or do you know, like when you like ask a simple question to a stranger, I feel like it's a, a nice way to like a nice icebreaker, like, Oh, you know, some, it's an easier way to start talking to somebody. If you have like an actual question, and it's one person instead of like a group of people. But um, yeah, and that's a good point, too, of when you're feeling like both of you are there for almost the same reason. So, um, you know, I'm also a traveler. I love it. But when you're traveling, a lot of times you see other travelers on their own, too. And so it's a much easier situation because you're both doing the same thing. Right. <clears throat> and the same thing with social situations. If you're going to like a, an event and you know that most people come there by themselves that want to meet people. It's not awkward that you're trying to meet someone at an event for meeting people, right? Yeah, it can still be hard, but you're there for the same reason. So knowing that you're there kind of in a role, like volunteering or in a, hey, I'm a participant in this, in this event, um, or doing something like what you described that builds so many skills, traveling, um, really are doing anything that builds the skills that you feel you want to build. Sometimes that's a good one, as long as it doesn't go too far where somebody is feeling a lot of distress. We never want to reach the point where you're in serious distress. Yeah. That's never helpful. So <laughs> I think some people think they have to throw themselves fully in and that's not necessarily true. I mean, some people do that, but it, it wouldn't really be recommended. You know, I learned something really interesting this year and 
I've, I'm not like great with words and I'm not great with like talking to people, but it's very interesting because I notice like when I post stuff on social media, sometimes most of the time there's crickets, you know, like I'll post, Hey, I, I just uploaded this podcast episode. And like most of the time, like barely anybody replies. And, but if I, if I write, Hey, post a picture of your pet, like I'll get flooded with responses. So something that I've learned this year is that people love talking about their pets if they have them. They like showing pictures of their pets. They like talking about animals if they're animal people. So that might be a good thing to talk to a stranger about. If you're going to a holiday party and you have nothing to, you don't know what to talk about, that might be a good way to start a friendship or at least a conversation is to ask them if they like animals or have a pet, you know, they might show you a picture. So. Yeah. So yeah, a pet or anything you're passionate about, or maybe even go to um, like an event at a shelter or, you know, like something, because then you're connecting with other people who love the same thing. So that's why I mentioned like having a common goal that you're going there sometimes makes things easier. Um, Yeah. And keeping things small, like you mentioned, like if you're invited to a party, that's a hundred people, it's very easy to go unnoticed and to not really talk to anybody <laughs> versus like, Hey, you've RSVP. Do you've maybe corresponded with the person organizing? They're expecting you. It's a little bit harder to not go. So, yeah. So those are a lot of really good, good tricks. Um, but the main thing really is to know where are you starting from and kind of personalizing your journey. Even if you have one person that you, you're speaking to, which could be a therapist, right? They can't, decline you. (laughs) You can't be like, no, you're not getting therapy. So kind of having a starting point. um, And if you can't do that to, yeah, just start the conversation maybe with one person. I know um, I actually recently moved myself and I went to this one event, said hi to one person there. um, And they ended up asking for my number so we can correspond and kind of making a new friend in a place. And that doesn't always happen like that, but you never know (laughs) anything can happen. And you start that, you open that door and yeah, there's a lot of friendly people out there. Um, I think it's just harder in a really busy place than like a smaller community. So just things to keep in mind. Definitely. And I, I love what you said about trying to find a place to go to, whether or not it's for the holidays, like where you find people with similar interests as you. Because, I mean, I think a lot of times people have a tendency to feel alone, even if they are married or even if they have a family and friends, if they don't feel like they have any shared interests with those people, you know, because then they feel like, well, I have all these things I love to do, but I have no one to do them with. So I love that idea of like putting yourself out there and like thinking about what are the things that I like to do or what am I passionate about? Like, I'm even thinking like for Thanksgiving, there's a an animal rescue place here that has a vegan Thanksgiving dinner, you know, where they like rescue turkeys and stuff. And it's like, think about the things that you're passionate about. Think about the things that you care about and find groups of people that do events, you know, with, with those shared interests, because that's, that's a great way to not only find people to like fill your time with, but like people that you actually have things in common with. Yeah, and it takes a lot of the pressure off. You're going there because you're passionate about this, and so are they. Right. Um, it's 
much more, it's much easier to have conversations with that in that situation. Um, the other thing too is, I think it's becoming more common, um, but some people are still hesitant a little bit, is doing things on your own and enjoying them. Like not just because you don't know anybody who wants to do this, but because you actually like it. And it also builds some resilience. Um, and you can also plan on what you're doing there. So, I mean, the restaurant thing I think is harder for people, but if you are going to like a coffee shop or a restaurant, um, maybe you're, you know, reading a book or maybe you're, um, I don't know, doing some kind of art project. Um, but Write you know, your you journal. Know, I love writing in yeah. a journal. Like bring yeah. paper and a pen and mm -hmm. talk to your so, paper. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So doing things on your own is also a good way to see what places you like, what things that you like to do. You're more likely to be approached if you're on your own, um, hopefully in a positive way. But yeah, <laughs> yeah but you're, it's, not, um, it's not necessarily a deal breaker that you're doing things on your own. And a lot of people do that, um, but I think there's still a big part of the population that's hesitant. I think that that's such good advice and i don't know if anyone's listening if you've ever um heard of the artist's way but julia cameron wrote this book that became a movement with like support groups and it's all about taking yourself on what she calls artist dates and basically you take yourself out to do the things that you like to do like commit to doing that once a week and then she also encourages you to write every morning and now that we're talking about this like i think so much of me participating in, in that program and like, you know, doing, you know, taking myself by myself to do the things that I like, whether it's roller skating or swimming or going to an art museum or like walking through a garden or going like apple picking, you know, by myself. Um, and also spending time every day to journal, I think has really helped me create a solid, amazing relationship with myself. And that's so important that we, that we work on that relationship that we have with ourselves, that not only do we learn to love ourselves and understand, understand ourselves, but that we learn to love our own company. Because yeah. you can really have so much fun by yourself. Like if you, if you work on that. Yeah. And that's a really, that's a really beautiful thing. And it also kind of translates to, to boundaries and who you have in your life, because how do you speak to yourself? Um, if you're just on your own with yourself, is that a positive experience? So that's the first part of building, you know, building positive relationships too, is a relationship with yourself. Mm -hmm. um, some people are afraid to be alone because of thoughts that they're having. So those are definitely indicators that you do wanna work with someone on that because yeah, ideally what you're describing is the goal. You're enjoying time with yourself. You're treating yourself well, right? How do you treat yourself? What do you say to yourself? And then that also, will go out to who do you allow in your life and how do you set those boundaries because you're typically not going to let them treat you poorly if you're treating yourself well right um and that you know and that's a tough topic obviously you can't control other people but you can be clear on some things that is not okay with you and ways that you can make it clear like if this happens the conversation's over or i'm leaving right now um, you know, that's a bit more of an extreme situation. Hopefully, close relationships are not that adversarial, but, but some are. So, you know, there are things you can do, especially as an adult. If you have your own place, you have your own resources, there are more boundaries you can put in place. Um, but yeah, but I love what you said, building the relationship with yourself first. How do you treat yourself? That's always a really good question. Um, because then, 
a good part of the time, if even if you don't have anyone, you're still enjoying what you want to enjoy. And it'll typically build from that, especially if you're being intentional, you're going out, you're, you know, you're kind of opening the door for people that are going to have a connection with you. Yeah. And it's so important. I, somebody once said that, I can't remember who said it, but they said that we, t- we treat people how to, tr- we teach people how to treat us. Mm-hmm. And at, at first when I heard that, like I was upset because I remembered like feeling like a victim at the time, you know, I was feeling like a victim and I was like, how in the world am I teaching people to be mean to me or to say these mean things to me? And then I realized it's because I wasn't standing up for myself or I wasn't giving myself enough like love and attention. And it's, it's really interesting. Like the more I sit with it, it makes sense. Like we, we need to set those boundaries and we need to be clear about it and we need to have the respect for ourselves and decide like, when is your bedtime? When do you want to wake up? You know, like when are you okay answering a work call? Like if your boss is writing to you at like the middle of the night, do you actually have to respond that minute? You know, yeah. like that's a whole other topic. We talk about toxic workplaces a lot, but, but yeah, those are all important boundaries. So you say what's okay and what's not. Yeah. Um, now there could be times when you're in a contract, Hey, I'm signing up, I'm on call. Right. So you've entered into an agreement. Right. Other times you're not. I know I once had a boss who would call me all the time to process their stress. Now, that wasn't the job. Right. That That was an additional additional workload. Um, So you do want to kind of recognize and and be really strict. You know, some countries, I love it, like France, they make it illegal to email you after work hours. Wow. I think there's a lot of really good practices. Um, But, yeah, the same with people in our lives. Um, the, the tricky part is when this behavior started when we were younger. Yeah. So we, we, you know, and then it kind of continued. Then it, it takes a lot of intentionality to be like, you know what? This is having an effect on me. I'm not okay with it. This is for you to say to yourself. And then how do you work on it? It's just being very strict with the boundaries. You know, with this person, I think our phone calls have to be five minutes. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, like and some I, people don't understand when, that's, when the call is over. And then they keep bringing up new things. And it's like, wait a second, I, I said I had to go. But it's like, you need to take the responsibility and actually go. <laughs> like, yeah. And that's also a good part of actually saying it ahead of time. Like, so if you're answering the phone, oh, hey, I'm glad you called. So I only have five minutes. I'm running out the door and sticking to it. Um, and that really gives you so you're not stuck on the phone. Speaking um, of boundaries. I actually yeah. really have to go in two minutes. So we have nice. two more minutes for this episode. Everyone, that's boundaries right there. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So is there any um, any other like major question that you had in your mind with the last two minutes? No, I think that this was so helpful. I think, you know, just just to remind people that, you know, understand whether you have a place to go. You know, if you have a place to go and you know that there are certain conversations that might come up that are triggering to allow yourself to, you know, take that breath to, you know, maybe excuse yourself, do the box breathing, shake it off. I think that that's so powerful. And to even say to people, you know, what were the words that you used if you didn't want to talk about a certain thing? Oh, yeah. So just kind of changing the conversation or saying, you know, this is something I'm really passionate about, kind of switch to something else yeah. um yeah or just being honest you know what yeah i don't really want to talk about that topic right now or that's 
maybe that's something that we need more time to talk about. Like, you know, kind of just really neutral phrases. I love it. Um, yeah. The other thing too, is that if you're in serious distress or um, like we talked about, if you're having thoughts of suicide or anything like that, which unfortunately goes up during the holidays is to really make sure to seek support. Um, there's actually the national suicide hotline, but there's all, also. Is it 988 or is it something else? Yeah. So 988. Yep. So that's a, the, the new, um, the new uh, number that if you're an immediate, um, if you need immediate help or you need to talk to a professional, you can call them. Um, sometimes there's a drop-in clinic too, wherever you live, you can kind of just walk in and get an assessment and get linked up. Um, or if you feel like you're just, you know, you're having thoughts, you're not, you can't really control, you do want to reach out to someone and start that process because you deserve to get the help that you need and uh, you don't have to be in distress. Um, it takes time and effort, but if you, you know, you connect with the right person, you can really get to where we're looking to go. Cause a lot of this conversation, um, I do want to make sure people realize this is, this is, um, applies to some people, but there are some people in, in more distress where this wouldn't be like, there'd be like, this doesn't make sense. I can't do this. Then you right. do definitely want somebody to work with you. And I also want to stress that however you're feeling is temporary and that there is help and not to think that you're an exception, that you can't be helped because there there is absolute help for you. So if you're seriously in distress, text or call 988. There's also this um, online support group, nana247.org, where you can just, it's a 24-7 um, support group meeting that you can just log into at any time, night or day, anywhere in the world and just talk face-to-face -face over Zoom with people and they're there to support you too. I just found out about it last week and it's amazing, so... That's that's great. Yeah. And I love what you said about everyone can be helped. Absolutely. Um, wherever you are, there is someone that can help you. You just need to connect with them, get to the level, the level of help that you need, and then they'll help you along. And even if you don't have resources or health insurance, um, the number that we talked about is free. Um, there are clinics as well that you can get linked up with. So please don't let that stop you. Thank you so much, Julia. And how can people reach you? Yeah, absolutely. So the best way to reach me, honestly, is on LinkedIn under my company, which is Hopeful Bluebird Consulting. And um, if they just type in Hopeful Bluebird, it typically comes up the fastest doing it that way rather than my name. Um, yeah, and they could just kind of reach out if they want to chat or just um, send me a message or read some of the stuff. I post a lot, like I said, about boundaries, the way people treat us, um, relationships at work, which is kind of my focus lately. But, you know, it's really important that where we spend a lot of our time, we're feeling respected and heard. And so, yeah, all of those values and that internal, those our internal rights, our right to be treated with respect and yes. all of those other things. So I just always want to make sure people people realize their worth and their value. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Choose to Be Happy podcast. I just want to invite you, if you want to join our weekly live support group, it's over Zoom. And we talk about putting all these happiness techniques that we talk about on the show into practice. We actually do it. It's not just the talking about it because it takes work. It takes consistency. It takes action. And it's awesome to be with a group of people who are also working on a similar goal of wanting to be happier. So if you want to join, I'd love to have you in my group. We meet live face to face over Zoom. You could be anywhere in the world and show up. It's for an hour. And it's awesome. We do this every week. 
Um, if you're interested in this, send me an email at evey at letyourselfsparkle.com and I'd love to add you to this group. All right. Love you so much. Happy holidays. See you on the next podcast. Bye. Fresh coat of paint, change my scenery. Wake up in the morning and choose to be brave and set this cage bird free. Here I go, here I go. I'm gonna make a change today. I'm gonna make a change today. Change today.